And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. We're coming off week seven, and what a big week it was, dare I say, a historic week in the Northeast Conference as the league's first broadcast on the CBS Sports Network took place a primetime Thursday night football showdown between Wagner and the reigning champion St. Francis University Red Flash. Coming up on this week's show, we will definitely recap that game as well as the rest of the schedule Uh, We'll highlight the top three stars of the week. We'll chat about some stats. We'll look ahead to what's on tap this weekend, and we'll welcome in our special guest, the quarterback of the Duquesne Dukes, Darius Parentes. But first, let's take you back through the week that was. It's our top headlines. We start with the pick six, and we start with that CBS Sports Network game of the week featuring the reigning and defending NEC champion St. Francis Red Flash hosting the undefeated in-conference play and first-place Wagner Seahawks. It was a blackout game at DeGaulle Field on a Thursday night under the lights. Our guest on last week's show, St. Francis linebacker Carter Glassmeyer, told us last week that there was a lot of hype and excitement about this one on campus. He was expecting a great atmosphere on Thursday night, and indeed, there was a great atmosphere if you tuned in and saw the game. In the first quarter, after each team came up empty on their first series, St. Francis started hitting the chunk plays. They started to look like that quick strike offense from a season ago. They had a third and seven which netted them 20 yards, Cole uh, Cole Doyle to Dawson Snyder. And then later in that same drive, they had a second and long, a second and 10, and Doyle hit Dawson again for 36. And boom, two plays later, Doyle to DeAndre Scott, four-yard touchdown, and just like that, red flash up 7-0. And after both teams missed field goals, St. Francis then, uh, you know, kind of matriculated the ball down the field little by little, 11 play, 91-yard drive to get a touchdown and go up 14. And it was interesting because the drive started at their own nine-yard line, and seven of their first nine plays were running plays. But then once they started to get towards midfield, the last two plays were passes, including Doyle, the 21-yard pass to Snyder for the score. Wagner got on the board just before the break. Steven Krajewski, the Seahawks quarterback, had a seven-yard touchdown pass to Trevor Shorter to get Wagner within 14-7 to at intermission. In the second half, the story was the St. Francis defense. They rose to the occasion and shined in the primetime national TV spotlight. On the first four Seahawk drives out of the locker room, Wagner was forced into two three-and-outs. St. Francis made a stop on a fourth-and-two, and then Wagner missed the field goal. St. Francis, they added two more touchdowns on offense in the fourth quarter, and the red flash would go on to win it 31-7. to Cole Doyle, 13 for 24, 161 yards, three touchdowns and a pick, but perhaps the play of the game for him was a 48-yard run in the fourth quarter, getting it inside the 20. Jordan Jackson, the running back for the red flash, ran for a buck 28. Carter Glassmeyer, our... our our uh, conversation, our, our player from last week that we had our special guest, he had 11 tackles and a sack, another big game for him. The defense shut out Wagner in the second half, limited them to no points on the scoreboard, just that one touchdown 
from the end of the first half. St. Francis outgained Wagner 434 to 299 yards overall and outran the Seahawks 273 to 106. It was a huge win for the reigning champs to avoid that dreaded second conference loss of the season. They improved to two and one in conference play. Well, Wagner falls to two and one in conference play. And now St. Francis holds that head to head tiebreaker over the Seahawks to one loss conference teams. If it should come to that down the road. And by the way, one really cool note, this game was played in front of a record crowd at the golf field for attendance. 2,878 fans were on hand. Now, for story number two, we want to highlight the St. Francis defense. They have been stellar in league play, pitching shutouts in five of their last eight quarters. Carter Glassmeyer, again, our guest on last week's show. This week, he won his second NEC Defensive Player of the Week award. He had 40 tackles in St. Francis' three league games combined so far this season. And you go back to media day over the summer, this was a St. Francis defense that had a lot of question marks. They lost a lot of firepower. They only had 33 players total returning on the defensive side of the football from last year's championship team. Last year, as as you know, high-powered as they were on offense, putting up gaudy video game numbers, their defense was really, really good a year ago, too. They had the number one defense in the NEC, 247 yards per game allowed. This year, they're about 100 yards off that pace. They're allowing 347 yards per game at the moment. But uh, against the run, very similar. They were 126 rushing yards per game last year, 160 right now. They were at 14 sacks last year. They're about halfway there right now with six. So uh, again, with that much loss that they need to kind of replenish, they're getting that. They're starting to get that play on the defensive side of the football. One area, though, where maybe the Red Flesh still need to improve is third down defense, getting opponents off the field on third down, getting their offense back on the field. The Red Flash right now are last in the league in third down defensive percentage, allowing opponents to convert almost half the time, 45.5%. That kind of needs to improve. If they could do that, they could certainly go on a run towards another championship, and it could be the defense leading the way very much like they did a season ago. Now, elsewhere in the NAC, story number three, in the Berg, on the bluff with the Yinzers. It's the Duquesne Dukes in action. They were coming off a last-second win in conference play against LIU two weeks ago in their league opener. They were taking on the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils, who are coming off of a game where they literally ran all over Delaware State to the tune of 497 or 498 yards, depending on what publication you look at. It was a big conference game at Rooney Field. It was the first home game for Duquesne since Labor Day weekend. So it's been a minute. But they came out like a kid all sugared up on Halloween candy. Three first quarter touchdowns for the Dukes. Darius Parentes had a two-yard touchdown pass to Taj Butts. Then Butts had a 15-yard run. Okay, Taj had a big first half, a big first quarter, a 15-yard touchdown run. Finally, Teddy Afool caught a 13-yarder from Parentes. It was 20-3 Dukes after one. And Taj, TB, had two of the three first quarter touchdowns. Taj completed the hat trick with a 58-yard touchdown run in the second quarter. Duquesne put up a season-high 513 yards of offense and 44 points in a 44-20 to win over the Blue Devils. 
Parentis, a season high, 265 yards passing with three touchdowns. And it, it was 15 for 24 passing. But man, did he have some big plays. Six of his passes, six out of the 15 completions were of 20 or more yards. Five of those six were for 30 or more yards. So Parentes was definitely able to get the ball to his receivers and get the ball downfield. TB had 118 yards rushing, two touchdowns, had a receiving touchdown as well. We mentioned the hat trick. He's the first Dukes player with three touchdowns in a single game since A.J. Hines had three against Robert Morris back in October of 2018. Jamario Clements, he went over 100 yards rushing with a touchdown. It was the first time the Dukes have had two 100-yard rushers in the same game in almost two years since November of 2021 against Wagner. Teddy Afool at 135 yards receiving and a touchdown. And after rushing for a hunt for 497 or 498 yards last week, Central Connecticut, they were held to just 74 yards rushing this week. Now, a lot of it is because they fell behind and they had to pass the football to try to catch up. They kind of had to you know, get rid of the run game game plan. They kind of got out of their game plan a little bit because of what the score was, you know, the, the Dukes jumping up 20 to three early on, but still going from 497 or 498 to just 74 kudos to the Duquesne defense. So don't look now, but the Dukes who are one of the last teams to get involved in conference play this year, they're two and zero. And they're 2-0 to start conference play for the fourth time in the last five years. Now, in non-conference action, the LIU Sharks were in the Pine Tree State, squaring off with Maine, Redford, redshirt freshman Ethan Greenwood, getting the bulk of the action. Uh, LIU got off to a fast start on the third play of the game. He connected with Michael Love for a 71-yard score to put the Sharks up 7-0, just a minute, 13 seconds into the ball game. And if you, you got a chance to see this play, it was just a seven-yard slant up the middle. It was from the 29-yard line. He, he caught it after seven yards. The other 64 yards was Love just turning on the Jets, using his speed, zigzagging and cutting around defenders, making them miss, getting near the, down the near sideline before he was finally caught from behind. Man, all you need is Love. He certainly made things happen for the Sharks, a 71-yard score. And then LIU, they did leave, uh, they did lead 10 to 7 at the half, but Maine came out, took control with a lengthy 14 play, 85 yard, near seven minute drive right out of the locker room. They got a two yard touchdown pass. They would get two more touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and the Black Bears would go on to win 24 to 13. But a great non conference showing by the Sharks. Greenwood finished 12 for 17, 186 yards, a touchdown, a pick. He had 65 yards rushing as well. The Sharks are back in NEC play on Saturday against Merrimack. Story number five features our final NEC team that was in action this past weekend, and that was the Sacred Heart Pioneers making the long trip to New Haven to take on the Yale Bulldogs in non-conference play. These programs are less than 20 miles apart, yet Saturday was their first ever meeting. I mean, they basically trick-or-treat in each other's uh, stadium. It's They're that close. The Bulldogs led 21 to nothing at the half. They would go on to win 31 to three. Jalen Madison had 92 yards on 15 carries. Uh, one of the high points for the Pioneers, who certainly have struggled here in 2023, dropping six out of their seven games. So the NEC standings have Duquesne as the lone remaining NEC unbeaten atop the pack at 2-0 in league play. The Merrimack Warriors, they were off this week 
but they did slide up into second place, a tie with St. Francis and Wagner at two and one. LIU is one and one. Their record is level. Stonehill is one and two. The Pioneers are one and three. And Central is still in search of their first NEC win. They are 0 and two. By the way, Duquesne is playing St. Francis coming up this week. Duquesne's playing Wagner two weeks after that. And then Duquesne plays Merrimack, the final game of the regular season in Massachusetts. So the top four teams are still all playing each other here down the stretch. So the answers to this NEC championship puzzle are still forthcoming as things play out over the next few weeks. It's time now for our top three stars of the week. And we start with number three, Duquesne quarterback Darius Parentis. The quarterback was at the controls for a pro prolific offensive performance for the Dukes on Saturday against Central. Season bests, 265 yards passing, three touchdowns. He spread the football out to seven different receivers, and he led an offense that put up 513 yards. Parentis currently leads the NEC with 11 touchdown passes and 1,097 yards passing. Now, one touchdown pass and 79 yards behind Parentis. Uh, number two in both of those stat categories. And also number two on this week's top star list is St. Francis quarterback Cole Doyle. On the primetime stage, Doyle was efficient in both the run and the pass game. He ran for 71, including the big 48-yarder in the fourth quarter. He also went 13 for 24, 161 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick through the air. In the post game, he talked about practicing hard, staying humble, not getting too high, not getting too low. Certainly were some rough points during the non-conference portion of the schedule, but again, not getting too high, not getting too low. St. Francis starting to work things out in NAC play with Doyle at the helm. The Red Flash have won two in a row. And finally, our number one star of the week. Yep, it's Duquesne running back Taj TB. The redshirt sophomore running back from St. Louis, formerly of Missouri, Ran for a season-high 118 yards on 12 carries with two touchdowns. He also caught a touchdown on the Dukes' first scoring drive. He becomes the first Duquesne player with a hat trick, three touchdowns in the same game since 2018. TB is averaging 92.5 yards per game in the two league games this year, which is second only to Merrimack's Ty Edmonds Jr. Up next here on NEC Football on the Run, it is time for our weekly chat. And today we are joined by the quarterback for the team that's the only remaining unbeaten in league play, the first place, 2-0 Duquesne Dukes. It's Darius Parentis. Darius, thanks so much for joining us this week on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Uh, glad to have you on board. And, and you know, we mentioned it, Duquesne 2-0 in league play. Uh, comeback win, final seconds over LIU, and then a big win this past week against Central. So what's been the key for your Dukes getting off to this great start? Um, honestly, it's just us playing together. Um, we built a lot of chemistry this offseason with new players, uh, a lot of returners, but um, just playing uh, every minute, every down, um, forgetting uh, the bad plays, just uh, just trusting each other. And so, you know, what kind of, you know, went into that in the offseason? Because, you know, there's been a big difference from last year to this year. There were some frustrations, I'm sure, last year as you were picked high and didn't quite go that way. So what's been some of the the, the big changes that went on during the summer that helped you? Honestly, uh, just that last season, just sitting in the back of our mind, um, just knowing that a lot of people are going to doubt us this year, but uh, we have a lot of key uh, players in um 
yeah, we're all just ready to ball whenever. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys played some really tough competition in non-conference. You're at West Virginia and Coastal Carolina and Delaware. So, you know, for us on the outside, it was kind of hard to get a read on you guys, you know, as a possible title contender this year because of last year and, you know, the, the competition you were playing so far in non-conference. So now that you've played two league games, what have you learned about the, the type of team that you have in relations to being a championship contender? Yeah, um, those off, uh, those out of conference games obviously helped us a lot. Um, but obviously, we play every week like it's championship week. Uh, you have to. Uh, you never know who's gonna win, who's gonna lose. Um, it's football. Anything happens. But uh, we just go into every practice, every game like uh, this is a championship day. Yeah. Which is great because, I mean, you've seen the league this year. I mean, who knows <laughs> what's, what's going to happen? We've had some crazy stuff already, and I'm sure there's more to go. Um, let's talk about this past week against Central, 265 yards, three touchdowns. You now lead the league in yards and touchdowns, but you're certainly not doing it by yourself. Uh, yeah, Jabario Clements rushed for over 100. Taj, I'm not going to say his last name because I'll start giggling like a four-year-old, but he had <laughs> over 100 yards rushing. Uh, yeah. Teddy, a fool at over hundred yards receiving. And we're not even talking about your offensive line. That's blocking for you guys. So what, what's kind of gelling right now that's allowing your offense to, to work in with such synergy. Um, it honestly comes down to the coaches. Uh, we have a great play caller, uh, coach Doria. Um, he just puts us in our, in the best position to be successful. Uh, obviously my receivers, uh, they're doing an amazing job with uh, yards after catch, um, so they make my job easier. But uh, definitely our O-line, um, they're just great protectors. Um, obviously, we have some uh, miscues whenever that happens, but we tend to handle it good. Um, I'm sure you, you treat those guys well on the offensive line, go out to dinners, lunches, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Yes, sir. Now, let's talk about your journey for a second here, you know, coming from the West Coast to Pittsburgh, you know, so what was it that kind of first you fell in love with football and you knew that this was the sport for you way back when? And then how did you kind of make it all the way to Pittsburgh? Yeah, um, I started at University of Rhode Island, um, uh, had some uh, just some differences and just decided to transfer during uh, the COVID, whatever period, whatever it's called. But um yeah, I'm just uh, happy that Duquesne gave me an opportunity to display my skill set and uh, get an education, so I can't complain. That's awesome, and, and and of course, it's leading to a big game coming up this week. Uh, SFU on Saturday, the reigning champs, a chance to give them their second league loss and possibly go two up on them with the tiebreaker. So when you look at the, the early in the week, the tape on SFU, uh, what are some things standing out about their defense? What might be some keys for you guys? Um. Honestly, they're they're a good, uh, well-rounded team. Um, obviously, every team has some some holes in it, whatever you want to call it. But um, they're a well-coached team. They have a great quarterback, Cole Doyle. But um, this is my first time playing them, so uh, they got to be ready. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a great game. We're looking forward to it this weekend. And now to finish up, we're going to do rapid fire the final five questions. So just first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Sounds good. All right. Favorite color. Red. Okay. Favorite Halloween costume you had as a kid? Ninja Turtle. Awesome. That's awesome. Which one? Uh, There's red, blue. Red one. Red, red one. one. Okay. I'm Raphael. Looking. Yeah, Raphael. <laughs> your your favorite snack or junk food? Favorite snack. Ice cream. 
Awesome. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Bonus question. Yes. Milk and cookies. Okay. Cream. Yeah. Now, one one of your former teammates in offensive lineman is now a WWE wrestling lawyer uh, out there. He protected your butt for a long time. So if he's in the middle of getting beat up in the ring, would you tag in and, and <laughs> save his butt? Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and and finally, uh, if one of your teammates, uh, if we asked your teammates to kind of describe you uh, using a word or a phrase, what do you think your teammates would say to kind of describe you? I say nonchalant. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we, we, we gave you a little bit of the spotlight here today uh, and, and we thank you for, for your time and we wish you the best of luck coming up this weekend and the rest of the season. Thank you very much. I appreciate you. All right. Be sure to check out Darius and the rest of the Dukes as they take on SFU Saturday, 1 PM NEC front row. Great to catch up with Darius. We thank him for stopping by this week as our special guest and speaking about Darius and the Dukes, it's time for today's stat chat and we want to Look at the last remain, remaining unbeaten team in the NEC. This year it's Duquesne, and you would think that, well, now they're the favorites for the NEC title. Automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. The road to the championship runs through Pittsburgh, and perhaps it does, but pump those brakes just a little bit and check out this interesting nugget here, here in today's stat chat. Over the last 10 seasons, the team that was the last remaining team in NEC play has gone on to clinch the automatic playoff bid just four times, four out of 10 seasons. So more times than not, the team that's the last remaining unbeaten doesn't go to the FCS playoffs. Three of those, three out of the four times that the last remaining unbeaten did get to the playoffs, they finished the season unbeaten. They went the distance. Uh, 2022 St. Francis just last year and Central in 2017 and 2019. The other team that uh, was the last remaining unbeaten that ended up in the FCS playoffs representing the, uh, the NEC was SFU again back in 2016. And that year they started 6-0. They had already clinched everything. And then they lost their NEC finale to Wagner, which really didn't have that much significance. So, yes, they were the last remaining unbeaten. They went to the playoffs, but they had already wrapped everything up before they lost their final game. So those were the only four instances in the last decade where a team has been the last remaining unbeaten and actually won the championship, went to the FCS playoffs. In the spring of 2021, Duquesne, they finished the regular season 4-0, but they lost in the title game that year to Sacred Heart. And there were a bunch of times over the last decade where the last unbeaten suffered their first loss. And that first loss ended up being a factor in the tiebreakers that ended up keeping them out of the playoffs. So more times than not over the decade, the team that's the last one standing without a loss, that doesn't necessarily mean that they should start printing up playoff tickets. There's still a lot of season left to be played. And if we've seen anything here in 2023, this year could be one of those years where stay tuned. There might be a lot of interesting twists and turns along the way. Finally, let's take a look at what's ahead here in week eight. Here's what's coming up on tap. It's a great week of NEC football, four games, all eight teams head to head in conference play. It all starts at noon on Saturday in Staten Island. Central Connecticut State taking on Wagner. Central is still in search of their first conference win this year. They're going up against the Seahawks team coming off their first NEC loss. Something to keep an eye on in league play. Wagner has given up 195 rushing yards per game. We mentioned earlier how they were significantly outrushed against St. Francis 
just last week. So there might be some room there for Central to get back to their running wild offense from two weeks ago. And by the way, starting with a four overtime game back in 2017, Central has won the last five straight meetings against Wagner. Wagner hasn't won a game in this series since October of 2016. Also Saturday at noon, Merrimack will be back in action. They were off this past week on a bye. They're taking on the LIU Sharks in Brookville, New York. Now, the last time out, I was there on the call for this game, saw Merrimack get that spark on offense with Malachi Anthony at the quarterback, both Donovan Wadley, Ty Edmonds. They were electric on the offense, running wild. So we'll see what Coach Kern decides to do. Who does he send out there to start a quarterback? Do they keep running the football? Do they continue to take more chances downfield like what worked two weeks ago against Stonehill? So it'll be interesting to see this Merrimack team and what adjustments they may have made in this bye week, what they were working on in the lab, so to speak, during this bye week. Merrimack will be taking on an LIU team that they beat a year ago in Massachusetts, but just by a single point, 24 to 23, LIU was driving down the field at the end to try and set up for a game-winning field goal, but it was a strip sack by Jordan Riggs that sealed the win for the Warriors. Then at 1 p.m., Sacred Heart will be in action against Stonehill. We know the Skyhawks were banged up in the ground game uh, two weeks ago. Their top two running backs were both out against Merrimack. We'll see, were they able to get somewhat healthy during this week off? Can they keep up the momentum that they built in that fourth quarter where they didn't really concede anything against the Merrimack Warriors? They put up 28 points in that fourth quarter. Ash, uh, Asher Karaha uh, started to get into a rhythm, so... Can they build on that even though they had a week off? On the other side, Sacred Heart, they've lost three straight, including conference games to LIU and Merrimack. The Pioneers have only scored over 14 points just once this year, and that just so happened to come in their lone win, the 37-34 victory over St. Francis. And finally, our feature game of the weekend. It's the St. Francis Red Flash in Pittsburgh to take on the Duquesne Dukes. This game features the top two passing quarterbacks right now in the league. Darius Parentes, Cole Doyle, one and two in total yards passing, one and two in touchdown passes. These are also the top two overall offenses in the league right now. Duquesne averaging 474 yards. St. Francis, 388. These two teams very successful rushing the football. St. Francis, 227 per game. Duquesne, 215. And these two are two of the top three in time of possession. So who is able to establish their will in this game? To keep long drives, to move the ball downfield, run the football, get some chunk plays here or there that both quarterbacks were successful in just this past week. And maybe even more important, Who's going to make the critical turnover? Because this could be a game where special teams and turnovers trying to avoid making that dreaded mistake. That could be the, the, the turning point in this one that ends up deciding it. It's an intriguing matchup with championship implications. A Duquesne win means that they're 3-0 and in league play for the first time since that spring 2021 season. They would also be two games ahead of St. Francis with the tiebreaker on the other side. If St. Francis were to go on the road and get this win, coming off their big win on Thursday night against Wagner, they would get to 2-1. and one. They would drop Duquesne to 2-1. and one. And depending on how Wagner does and whoever wins that Merrimack-LIU game, that could create, at the minimum, 
a two-team tie, or at a maximum, a four-team tie in the loss column atop the standings by the time we get together next week. So a St. Francis win could create chaos at the top of the standings. We'll have to wait and see. SFU has won head-to-head each of the last two years, 17-10 to 10 their last trip to Pittsburgh two, week, uh, two years ago, and 51-14 to 14 last year in Loretto. Cole Doyle had four touchdown passes. It was one of his better passing games of the season, and Duquesne turned it over three times. So big one coming up on Saturday, St. Francis, Duquesne, part of a full league slate Saturday, four conference games, all eight teams in action. Can't wait for it. That'll just about do it for this week's episode. Enjoy the game as everybody on Saturday. Until next time, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.